All right, grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 22. If you were with us over the weekend, Pastor Mike uh, continued our study of the Gospel of Luke with this section on Peter denying Christ and a lot of important lessons for us to learn here in this passage. So open up to Luke 22. We're going to recap this and then discuss the questions on the back of the worksheet from the weekend sermon notes. While you're turning there, um, some of you saw me walking around with my one-year-old, or he's like 15 months now, so he has successfully endured, I guess, a couple months of learning to walk, and it's a comical thing if you have young kids, or if you have a a, a one-year-old in the house, watching them learn to walk, just falling, stumbling, tripping, totally face-planting, eating it is just a a daily normal occurrence. So there can be like three babies standing around talking to each other. One of them could just absolutely lose his balance and fall. The other two babies just look at him, watch him get back up and carry on. Totally normal. So my one-year-old right now has three older siblings who think it's hilarious to kick him and trip him while he's trying to learn how to walk. And so yesterday it was the funny thing around the house to do like a belly bump and knock him over and they thought it was the funniest thing that look all I have to do is stick up my belly and they'd walk up to Aaron and like boom and the the slightest belly bump would sure enough topple him over and so you got this kid he's trying to learn how to walk and just standing is hard and you got three older siblings that are knocking him down kicking him while he's down making it hard to learn how to walk and uh, sometimes maybe we feel like that in in the Christian life where uh, we do stumble, we do fall, we do trip, and uh, sometimes it seems like um, the people maybe that should be helping us or <laughs> kicking us while we're down. Uh, what I want to talk about today is the reality of stumbling and tripping and the process of getting back up and the importance of putting people around us who are going to help us in this endeavor of learning to walk in the Christian life. And so in Luke chapter 22, Starting in verse 54, we have the account of Peter denying Jesus as predicted. And so you have um, the story here as Luke tells it. They seized him, Jesus, and, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Pastor Mike drew a contrast between Peter's response to his sin, his stumbling, and Judas's response to his sin. And he contrasted these two, and really the, the characteristics or the profile of a Christian, like Peter, is that though he may fall or he will fall, uh, he gets back up. 
And in this case, Peter felt conviction and wept bitterly. And we know that that conviction turned into repentance and a, a changed life from Peter. And Judas fell and stayed down. And uh, so there's a couple principles to learn when it comes to stumbling and sinning, which is a real hazard for every single one of us. And important things for us to learn from this text. So Pastor Mike's first point was to know how we stumble. Know how we stumble. And he made the observation that for Peter, he thinks it was primarily fear that drove Peter to sin. And kind of making a case that when we sin, we're fearing something, whether it be a person or in this case, uh, fear for his life, intimidation. Um, We fear something more than we fear the Lord. And so Peter, because he was following at a distance and the situation was hostile and Jesus had just been arrested and uh, in spite of Christ's prediction and Peter's, you know, promise that's never going to happen, here he finds himself doing the very thing he doesn't want to do, he didn't plan to do, he insisted he wouldn't do. He stumbled. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus makes it it clear that, that people who follow him are going to experience persecution Um, and he says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. And uh, Pastor Mike made the the illustration that the closer we get to Christ, the closer we are to the, you know, holding the target that people are shooting at. And it's a dangerous place to be close to the Lord in terms of the hostility that we're now targeted uh, for, or uh, we're now targets of hostility because of our closeness and proximity to the Lord. This is a reality of following Christ. It's a physically dangerous place to be. And um, so there are real frightening uh, dangers for us in, in following the Lord. And I did appreciate uh, the, the contrast between stumbling and falling. And the recognition here that Peter, a man who goes on to do uh, majorly significant things in the name of the Lord, is the man who, who stumbles here. And undoubtedly, Peter learned from this. He grew through this. But here he is struggling. Which led into the second point, which is know why we stumble. And the bottom line for why we stumble is that we, as Peter was, are sinful, fallen, weak, frail human beings. And we may have the best of intentions, we may have the most zealous aspirations of godliness and holiness, but at the end of the day, we are weak human beings. And this is why we stumble. A Christian is a forgiven sinner, a redeemed rebel. That's every single one of us. If, if we name the name of the Lord, if we put our trust in Christ, we don't become perfect. We don't become perfectly holy overnight or instantaneously. Uh, we do 
become instantly forgiven and redeemed. But there is a, a lifetime of pursuit of holiness that involves ups and downs, successes and failures. And a characteristic of a follower of Christ is someone who repents and who gets back up when they sin. Pastor Mike made a big point about uh, not wanting to glory in our shame, as a lot of people do or want to do in, in today's culture. American Christianity today seems to almost celebrate failures in an attempt to uh, highlight God's grace. Absolutely, God um, is glorified in his grace but we don't want to be people who celebrate our failures. And there's Philippians chapter three, I think it was in verse 19, is a reference to people who glory in their shame. And so there's a warning here for us to recognize, yes, as people were fallen, sinful, needy, this is a reality for every person in the room, but we don't wanna celebrate failures or weaknesses. But I, I do just, I want us to all be on the same page that if you're a part of Thrive, um, it's not because your marriage is perfect. It's not because your marriage is fantastic. It's not because you're a super godly, amazing person. Hopefully everyone's here because they want to grow. They want to be a more holy, devout follower of Christ. You want to strengthen your relationship with the Lord. You want to strengthen your marriage. I don't think there's anyone in here who's um, here because the Christian life is perfect and awesome and flawless all the time and marriage is always easy. I think one of the great things is we get to come together and come alongside each other and just, just be real. Um, we, as Peter did, stumble. And we're here to help each other through that. So, and that's the third point is know how to get up know how to getting up, <laughs> sorry, um, or keep getting up. It was right, sorry. <laughs> know how to keep getting up. And Pastor Mike, uh, he had two aspects of this. One is to start by feeling the pain of disloyalty and feeling the, the, the conviction that ought to accompany sin. We're being disloyal to the Lord who showed us his grace James chapter 4 compares it to uh, spiritual adultery, and it's a, a pretty significant thing that we ought not brush under the rug or overlook. So feel the pain of disloyalty, and then let grief lead you to repentance. But what I really wanted to hone in on here with the last couple minutes is uh, within point number three is some further things we can do here in this ministry to know how to help each other get up, to keep getting up. So like my one-year-old, you know, gets belly bumped and flattened by older siblings, um, <laughs> we have an opportunity, I think, to put people around us who don't want to see us fall, don't want to see us stumble, uh, they don't want to knock us over, but people who actually want to help us to walk with sure-footed conviction. I think, I hope you're here because you want that in your life and you want to be a part of that in someone else's life. I, I want to help the, the people in my group to love the Lord better. I want to contribute to my group 
by being open and honest about where I'm at and coming alongside other people who are being open and honest with where they're at. We have an awesome opportunity here to do that. And so one of the major things that ought to characterize us is not only that sort of atmosphere in our small groups as we go on Thursday nights, but also meetings outside of these Thursday nights that include accountability. And this is one of the really neat things that we can do here in our ministry is have accountability groups. And so each small group, every, every small group represented here, is going to have a breakout of a guy's accountability that meets roughly once a month or whatever your group decides, and a girl's accountability that meets. And I hope you hear me saying, I would love for you to be a part of that accountability. I think that's a really important thing. I think we need that sort of um, partnership and the, the one another aspect that comes out in an accountability group. So be a part of your small group's accountability. Uh, you need uh, bros in your life. I, I need bros in my life. Ladies, you need girls, whatever, whatever you call each other. Um, I, yeah, you know, what do you call each other? Girls? It's not as fun as <laughs> bros, but I just think you need people that you're going to sit down with who know you, and they know the real you. It's so easy for us to put up a, a picture of what we want to be, to paint a picture verbally and on Thursday nights of what we want people to think of us. It's so freeing and beneficial to just be upfront and honest. Here's where I'm at. Peter stumbled. I stumbled too. Let me tell you about it. Why don't you help me? I'll help you. So scripture is full of these one another passages. I have a couple that I'll put up on the screen. The first one is Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Talk about doing accountability, the importance of it. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's a a command for you in Scripture. In what ways are you bearing one another's burdens? I'm giving you an opportunity here with Thrive Accountability Groups. Let's do this. Let, let's come alongside each other. We need each other in this way. Go to the next one. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you see, just from, from this text, how important it is for us to have people to point out sin in our lives or people who are there to exhort us every day on a, on a recurring basis, lest we be hardened by sin? Go to the next one. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You got people that you can encourage and build up in your accountability group. Do another one. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. You have opportunities to do these things outside of accountability groups, I think. I hope, but 
what a great context for these things. And what, a, what an important category or aspect of the Christian life. So I really want to challenge you to be a part of accountability. And then another aspect for us to think through here in this context and thrive is just having honest and spiritual conversations with your spouse. Talk about um, keep continuing to get up. I I keep botching the, the wording on this point. Know how to keep getting up. That was point number three. And God has put, in your case, if you're in this room, a partner in your life who's, you know, physically speaking, your, your spouse, but spiritually speaking, someone who's there to help you, not only with, you know, all the uh, responsibilities we have in life, but spiritually speaking, to help you love the Lord better than you would if you didn't have your spouse to serve the Lord better than you would individually, to together as a team be better than you each would be individually. So help one another get up in your marriage. And so sometimes it it just having spiritual conversations, maybe you've been having spiritual conversations in your marriage for years now and it's very much a normal thing for others it can be um, awkward or weird or just not normal feeling to have spiritual conversations in your marriage. I just want to acknowledge that and let you know that that's not necessarily a weird thing. It might take some time to get comfortable having regular spiritual conversations in your marriage, but that is absolutely something that we need to pursue in our marriages. And so help your spouse get up when they fall, ask them spiritually significant questions and be the help on a spiritual level that um, they need you to be. So lots of good things for us to think through uh, in this passage. Um, I want you to go and have great discussions in your small groups now about these things. Um, But I'll pray and close this out and then you you can head that way. God, we're thankful for this text. We know that, we think that the reason we have this text is because Peter was honest. The story about him denying Christ got out presumably because of Peter's honesty and openness about it. And uh, we're thankful, God, for his example of um, repenting and getting, uh, getting up after weeping bitterly. We're thankful, God, for Peter's um, zeal to uh, live for you and uh, to speak on your behalf. God, we're thankful for all the things you teach us in this text And I pray that you would help us to understand it uh, in in ways that are um, significant and life-changing. And um, God, I pray that tonight we would have good discussions about um, what it means to stumble and get up, um, what it means to navigate life uh, 
um, in striving to live for you. God, help us to do this well. Help us to come alongside each other. God, I pray that this would be a season of accountability and relationships that's unprecedented in our ministry. God, please accomplish great things as you use uh, people as your mouthpieces in the lives of, of others. God, please accomplish these things tonight for your glory and your sake. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen.